So I normally started out with, hey guys, this is Person About Town, and today we are hanging out with comedian Adam Lengua. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me, <laughs> Kenny. I'm excited to be on this on this podcast. You sound so excited. I am. Tell the listeners where we are. We are in my favorite bar in the city, which is the Silhouette Lounge. It is a real shitty dive bar in the heart of Alston. It is gross, and that's what I love about it. There's a lot of great things about it. It's cash only, which I like. It's in the charming thing. Why do you like that it's cash only? Uh, it is uh, super inconvenient and chases away people that aren't prepared. That's what I like. I like to come here and feel like it is difficult to be in here. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but there's a because there's a charm to it. Beyond that, the temperatures in here are volatile. It is either very cold or extremely hot in here, depending on when you come in. But I'm giving it a lot of shit, sort of as a joke. But I do love this place. It's comfortable. It's cozy. There's uh, there's like 10 dart boards in the back. And I love playing darts. Where are these 10 dart boards? Uh, if you go around the back, there's... Uh... Oh, there's more space around there? Oh, yeah. But no tables. Oh. It's just darts. Okay. It's like a dart room. Oh. You know what I like about this place? It's, uh, it's not pretending to be anything. <laughs> it is just... You come here and you sit sadly and you drink. And... Yeah. There's a jukebox. I don't know. <laughs> You said that the temperature varies either it's really hot or really cold. How would you describe it right now? Right now it's actually not bad. It's pretty uh, pretty, pretty normal, I guess. It could be a little warmer. Okay. I'm a little chilly. How do you feel? I feel a, a smidge chilly, but I just came from outside, so it's 32 degrees outside. It's a little bit better in here. Yeah, it's an improvement to outside. That's essentially, that should be the slogan of this place. It's an improvement to being outside. <laughs> So wait, when was the first time you came? Well, uh, when I first moved to Boston in 2009, uh, I lived in Alston. So I would come here quite a bit. Relatively cheap if you get cheap beers. Uh, so this is a good place to come. And it's also, it's not as many like college kids, which I like. Really? What do you think? I mean, it's like pretty close to BU and BC and all those guys. Right. I guess I mean relative to the other bars in the area. Oh. So if you go to the down the street is like the draft or uh, like White, White Horse, and those are more like college. This is sort of like towny bar. Like right now as we sit here, there are three gentlemen who look like they've never left a bar stool in their life. They look like they were born at a bar, and they have grown up in those seats, and that is where they live to this day. They don't even know what college is probably, so that's what I like about this. So would you say that bars are your favorite places in the city? That's a depressing question. <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm getting to the heart of it. Well, I don't know if they're my favorite, but I spend a lot of time in them. Mm. Here's the thing. I like drinking, and I like talking to people, okay. and those things happen at bars. So I guess, yes, it's the answer <laughs> to the question. <laughs> so you moved to Boston in 2009. What made you move here? And actually, where are you from originally? Well, I'm from outside of Boston. So I moved here just because I wanted to live in Boston uh, after college. It's as simple as that. I didn't really have a plan. I didn't start doing comedy till years later. Oh. What did you do when you first got here? I just got a job. Just lived. <laughs> just lived in a terrible life. I had no money, and I had a bad job, and I lived in Alston. So oh. those are the three worst things, and I came to the Silhouette Lounge. Oh. <laughs> what have you done since your bad jobs and your bad living situation in Alston? Ah, well, I moved around. I've lived uh, six different places around Boston. Uh, I got a better job. Now I do comedy. Life is much better than it was when I was 22. Although I get less ladies than I used to uh, living in Alston. So I don't know. 
Is it that you are no longer surrounded with like 22-year-old women? Yeah, it's also that I am not 22 anymore, uh, which made, I think I was a little bit more attractive back then, and now things have really slid towards, I look like a, I, I don't know, I look like things have t- taken a harsh turn, which is fine. It's good. Adam is exaggerating. Adam looks fine, but he likes to complain. Uh, she's being nice. I look like I was in a factory accident, like, three years ago. Uh, it's hard to tell, like, it's vague scarring, like, maybe burns, but it's hard to, like, like, the surgery that, like, the surgeries were probably pretty good. I'm gonna post a photo of what this guy looks like so that you guys know that he doesn't look like a burn factory accident victim. It's important to realize she's gonna post pictures pre-accident. Uh, so imagine... Like if a zipper went across my face, <laughs> that's what I look like now as I sit here. No, I mean the scarring. That's it looks like a zipper. All right. So you're getting less ladies. Is that something that's making you sad? What's going on with you? No, no, I'm fine with it. I mean, I do fine. Whatever. Yeah. Like, you have a not to say that you have a reputation. You kind of have a reputation. <laughs> you do. Yeah, you have a reputation of doing fine with the ladies. Oh wow. Well, look at that. I guess I do fine with the ladies. <laughs> I mean, everyone says it's true, so it must be true. It's because I just fuck everybody. Is that what you're... <laughs> <laughs> Guys, women, whatever. Anything that comes across your yeah, line Yeah, I'm a dangerous guy to be around. Oh. Uh, I guess I'm in danger. Uh, I think I'll survive. Yeah, no, you'll be fine. Thanks. I swore one day I would never fuck somebody inside the Silhouette Lounge. It's like a holy place. It's like a church. What... What was going on in your life that you had to swear to someone? You had to swear to someone that you wouldn't sleep with them, like, or with anyone in a particular bar. Uh, it's because the owner threatened to never let me back if I kept having sex in the silhouette line. That's not true. That's not true. I made that up. It's not, it's not true. Is it not true? Your face is... No, of course it's not true. Where would I have sex with somebody here? This place is like an old barn. I don't know. You're kind of a salty dog. You'd figure it out. You just call me a salty dog? <laughs> yes. That's the best thing anybody's ever called me. I'm a, you're a salty dog. People I call salty dogs, and it makes sense. I like it. All right. So when did you start doing comedy, and what made you get into doing it? I started comedy, well, there's some points of contention here, because the first open mic I did, I was 24. Uh, but I didn't do another one after that for an entire year. So technically, the first one I did... 2011, but I don't really consider that I started it till a year later because that's when I really started to to do it. So 2012, September 2012, September 17th. What happened on that particular date that lets you know that that's when you started comedy? Uh, well, I used to keep a journal of every single open mic I ever did. Oh. So, what was the first one you did? Sally O'Brien's in Somerville. And do you remember your jokes? Yeah. Are they jokes you still do? <laughs> no. <laughs> God. Do people do that? I don't do people do the same joke? Oh, my God. They would either have to be, like, the most amazing writer or just, like... Can you imagine doing the same jokes the first time? I remember the first joke I did at Sally's, and I've said it on stage before. Like, I've said it on stage again. Really? Yeah. At more open mics or just at shows? I've said it at shows. What? It, it, it's this joke about, like, not knowing any Journey songs. Oh, because you're black. Yeah. 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 And That's like a good joke, though. Like I guess you just were better at writing than I was <laughs> at first. Well, what has, how has your style changed from when you started in 2012 to now? Oh, wow. I think I just kind of learned to uh, write better for my sense of humor. 
for a while I was just writing sort of like what I thought people would like instead of just like what makes me funny, if that makes any sense. It does, but like what have you found is the thing that makes you funny? Oh, well I have, I think I have kind of a weird perspective on a lot of things. I have like a dark silliness is sort of how I try to describe it. Uh, whereas before I would just write nonsense. Okay. Actually, some of the stuff I was writing that was really early was just over the top silly that I almost knew nobody would laugh at, but it was like, this is a joke that I'm going to tell. It was horrible. I was so bad at first. It took me a long time to, like, ever get a first laugh. Okay. And I'm still trying. You're still trying to get the first laugh is what you just said, which is a ridiculous statement you know not to be true. Thank you. I guess, I guess thanks. Yeah, of course that's not true. I'm amazing. So this amazingness at comedy, is it part of the reason why you're planning on moving out of Boston? Uh, yeah, I'm going to, well, no, not because I'm amazing, but oh. I'm <laughs> I'm going to move, I don't know, because I just feel like I've done everything here, and I don't want to live in Boston anymore, because I've lived here for a while. It's time to move on, time to go see somewhere else, so I'm going to go to Austin, Texas for a year or two, and then see where that brings me. Where do you anticipate going after a year or two in Austin? I'm guessing L.A., but it's hard to say. I don't know. You never know. Because when you say that you're going to do something in two years, and it's never actually what happens. So I'm guessing L.A. Who knows? Maybe New York. Maybe somewhere else. I don't know. Where do you think I should go? Uh, where you're going to be happy? I don't know. I don't know enough about comedy to say where a person should move like in some sort of organized path towards yeah. success. Well, there isn't like a real path. I mean, people go to New York and people go to L.A. Yeah. That's essentially it. But... Uh, I don't know. You can you can do well anywhere, really. There's people in Boston that are pros that are yeah. making it. Yeah. So. Who are the pros in Boston that you think are making it? Dan Bulger's doing well. Um, on Mitra still lives here. Does he? Yeah, and he's been on TV like six times in the last six months or something. Yeah. I think he still lives here. I think he kind of lives in New York now. Oh, does he? Yeah, I don't know. He's he's on our show tonight. I know that much. So. What? Yeah. Hey, cool. Yeah, that makes me more excited about seeing the show tonight. Yeah. 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 So tell the listeners a little bit about the show that you're talking about and like how you guys developed it, all that stuff. All right. So I run a comedy show called The Mendoza Line. It happens at this little dive bar, also one of my favorite places, uh, called The Dugout Cafe, which is right across from BU on Commonwealth Avenue in Boston. And it is fantastic. It's this tiny little dive bar show, back room, like... I think we sell out at like 40 people or something, so it's small, uh, but it's a great time. It's uh, get good lineups every week, and it's just had a lot of success. We've won an award for like best comedy show in Boston. It's been fun. We started it in February. It's three guys. It's uh, it's me, my friends John Baglio and Kevin Seafried, and now Tom Crowley also does it with us. Um, but it's, I don't know, it's kind of like a little underground comedy thing. It's been super fun. I think if, when I leave Boston, that'll be the thing I miss most, is being able to run that show. It's super fun. That's helped my comedy a lot, too. That's been a huge thing. I think that's a great point if you're trying to get in, if you're like a year or two into comedy, you should start your own show. That's a good thing. Open mic show or like show show? Well, I think there's benefits to both. I think starting a real show is better for the scene and probably better for you because you get real crowds. It's just harder to do because then you have to pick a good night for it and make sure that you can draw crowds and that kind of thing. So how do you go about drawing crowds? Because you guys pretty consistently sell out. And you have been for a long time. Like I don't think I don't know if you sold out when you started, but like it seems like you pretty quickly got to selling out frequently. Yeah, we had, uh, I think our first few shows were good, and then we had like a two-month stretch where it was pretty grim 
there were some shows we were only getting like 10 people to show up to. We do a lot of marketing. We do a lot of online stuff. Uh, we, we spend some money on Facebook ads. We put ourselves in all kinds of publications. We're on like the Boston Globe's calendar. The, the big thing we were doing at first was just barking on the street, like literally like yelling at people to come to the show on the sidewalk. Excuse me. Which, uh, was that a verb? Yeah, it was. Uh, weirdly enough, that is what drew most of the crowds for the first like four months that we did it, which was just screaming at people on the street. And that works. Somehow that's effective. I don't know. <clears throat> it's strange to me because if I were ever walking down a street and somebody tried to talk to me, I would be disgusted and never want to talk to them again. But apparently that happened. Like, people go to shows that way. Yeah, somebody went to your show last week simply because, like, Jer and Zach Armentrout were like, yeah. Yeah. A magician on the train came to our show last week because of our friends yelling at him on the train that he should go to. I don't know, man. It's weird. People are weird. I would never go to a show like that. Why? Because if I'm walking down the street, I'm on my way to a place. And I don't want to deal with some weirdo yelling at me. <laughs> yelling at you in a friendly manner, suggesting that you spend an evening with hilarious people? Yeah. No, don't talk to me. I hate <laughs> talking to people. I like talking to you, Kenise. But I'm not going to talk to a stranger yelling at me. Then it's good that you're moving to, like, Austin and then possibly L.A. instead of New York and, like, Chicago and those cities. Yeah. I don't want to. Uh, why? Is is New York known for, yeah, I guess, it's well, like, well, catcalling and stuff? Be- on the street with other people oh, versus true. in your car all the time, which is how you're going to live in Austin. Yeah, in ah, good point. I like being in my car alone. Nobody yells at me to go to things in my car. That would be weird. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so then somehow that's how we got crowds to come. And now uh, we won some award and it's just been people are showing up, which is cool. Yeah, but we sold out like, I'm guessing probably like 15 of the last 20 shows. Nice. And the other five were pretty close. So it's been good. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. It's cool. It's cool when you're doing a podcast and the person that's running the podcast is just fantasizing about interviewing anybody else. Oh, you know who would be better <laughs> is the other person that runs the show. You just scrap this right now if you want. Adam, you know that we are friends and that I would love to have you on my podcast, and I am loving having you on my podcast currently. Okay. Well, you didn't have to be so sincere because now it's gross. What? Okay, so this is a thing that is rather consistent in our friendship, that you say something that's like, oh, I'm hurt, like, I'm like a, <laughs> like, oh, I have a weak, fragile ego, and then I try to, like, make you feel better, and then you're like, oh, gross. Why does this happen all the time? Now I'm going to put a microphone in your face and you answer. Kenise, you're embarrassing me with the three alcoholics at the bar. <laughs> They're judging me right now, and now they know too much about who I am as a person. I like coming to the Silhouette Lounge because I am shrouded in mystery, and now you've exposed me to these people that are now, they now know about my ego, and it's fragile, and I, and how I set you up for failure every time I talk to you. Why do you do that? Uh, it makes me feel powerful. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I don't, I'm, I am joking. No, I think it's funny to, uh, to do what I just did. No, I don't care. Power, come on, shut up. That was a joke. I think it's funny. Everything I do is to laugh. Because I'm a psycho. I don't know. <laughs> okay, so what plans do you have for Austin? Not that many. I have a, like, my best friend lives down there. He just bought a place, and it's a two-bedroom, and I'll get to live with him for pretty cheap. And it's a great location, and it's literally all the plans I have. I don't have a job. I don't know anybody else down there. That's it. All right. Uh, and as far as the time frame goes, it's probably going to be, like, late January. So I don't know when this will come out, but probably around then. 
Yeah, so good. Good promotion. Hey, if you want to see Adam do comedy, get ready for a 30-hour drive. <laughs> Are you driving straight down? Uh, no, nah, I'm going to try to set up some shows and do a little bit of a tour of some kind. Uh, you can't really drive straight down. It's 30 hours, so... I mean, you'd, you'd die. You'd die, I, I mean, think. You could, like, sleep just on the side of the road for, like, little hour segments, but it's not healthy. Yeah, or I could just, like, take so much Adderall that I'm just, like, shaking as I drive. Just... Do you have Adderall? Like, on me? <laughs> like, do you have access to Adderall? I have some people, sure. <laughs> I don't take it as often as I would like to, because really? it... Really? Wow, have you done Adderall? I've never done Adderall. That's I've, why I was asking if you had access to it. Have that. you done cocaine? I've never done cocaine. God, Kenny's what a loser. I'm a real square. Adderall is the best. No, okay, not true. <laughs> Adderall is a step down from cocaine. Cocaine is the best? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but Adderall is scarier, I think. Why? Because, here's the thing, it's, they're like the same thing, but cocaine makes you want to like hug people and talk to them and get to know them and like know all the information. Adderall does that too, except it makes you feel like a god and it makes you feel like cold and calculating and it's like, all of the information you're giving me I will use against you. <laughs> Is that how everyone reacts to Adderall or is that just you? No, everybody. Uh, and if they don't admit it, it's because they're cold and calculating because they're on Adderall. You know what I think it is? It's like if you ever do cocaine and you're coming down from it and you have that like sort of melancholic feeling like, oh no, the feeling's not going to last. That's what Adderall is the entire time. That melancholy? Yeah, it's like melancholy but also like omnipotent. <laughs> uh, it's a scary thing to take it, but it's also awesome because you can get a whole lot of work done and you can drive for a long period of time. Yeah, so these are things that I'm telling you on your podcast. Do you want to just go through all the drugs? Um, wait, which drugs have you tried? God, I hope my work doesn't hear this. <laughs> Not that many more than that. I guess. Well, uh, the hallucinogens, sure. I've done acid and shrooms. Yeah. Those are the best. I think most of my Caucasian friends have done Is that like a racial thing? I don't think black people do that as often. Yeah. Why is that? They should. Why should they? Because <laughs> everybody should. I'm not making a point about black people. <laughs> you know what's wrong with black people? Just don't do enough acid. We're like they talk about like the urban environment versus the like suburban. Yeah, world. that probably is a thing where it's. I bet it's more. Yeah, I bet that's really the distinction. Is that it's uh, more of a suburban thing. Hmm. Just because there's more woods and stuff, it lends itself towards doing weird drugs out in the woods. So wait. You have lived in Boston and where else? I went to college in South Carolina, like in the middle of nowhere. College called Clemson University. It is awesome, but it's also like totally rural. It's a strange place. Very racist, but fun. Not because of the racism. <laughs> racism aside, those weren't supposed to, that was a bad way. <laughs> it is racist and super fun. <laughs> no, it's a good place. How did Boston compare to Clemson? Oh, they're like polar opposites. Well, I mean, Clemson is like rural South Carolina, which means it's like super conservative. There's a lot of backwoods, redneck kind of people. I mean, you get a big because it's a big school and it's a good school, so you get a lot of people from all over the country. But you still have all that same sort of Republican, gun-toting, that kind of stuff. Whereas Boston is like the most liberal place. I mean, it's also like segregated weirdly and stuff, but in terms of their politics, it's a pretty heavily liberal place, which is hugely different. Also, Boston's a huge city. Clemson is just a college town in the middle of nowhere. 
I don't know. That's a weird question. I'd be like, hey, what's the difference between the moon and the sun? <laughs> well, one's the sun. <laughs> I would ask that to an astronaut who had been to both the moon and the sun. That's and a- been to the sun, you lunatic. <laughs> what? I hate you so much. I think you're the worst, and nobody likes you. I think I'm learning a lot about Kinesis' knowledge of astronomy, of, like, space travel. Who's been to the sun, Kinesis? Yeah, you can't go to the sun. It's not like a fucking... Did the Russians send some sort of... Like, it yeah. Like man, but they, like, sent Vladimir Putin actually landed on the sun in 1992. He, uh, he took his sun spaceship. I hope this makes the podcast, because this, this is not even funny, and it's, it's just horrible. stupid. <laughs> and it's going to be a representation of you. <laughs> and I hope you know that person. Good. Well, I hope everybody that hates listening to this knows that I no longer live anywhere near... Well, maybe you have a lot of fans in Austin. Who knows? Maybe. I do have a friend that lives there. I have a couple of friends. And I then surfed there for a while. Couch surf, not like... Oh, I thought you were surfing. surfing. I was like, Kenny's, that's not even a place to surf. <laughs> no, it's not. Why? Where were you couch surfing in Austin? Why? Because I was moving across the country. Ah, uh, you were a vagabond. Yeah. You were a v- vandal. I was in a van. Yeah, vans. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Kenny's loves vans. Kenny's, that's like the thing Kenny's will never shut up about. Every time we talk, it's like, hey, Kenise, you want to go get brunch? And she's like, look, I got to do some work on the van. And it's like, Kenise, I didn't even know you own a van. And Kenise is always like, well, I've been talking about vans every time you met me. And I was like, yeah, that's right. That's a good point. Kenise talks about vans more than I talk about uh, having sex at the Silhouette Lounge, which is often. You speak about vans more than often. Which uh, none of that is true. Uh, so next question. So what are some significant moments that you've had in this bar, besides having sex in it? I've never had sex in this bar. Uh, no I've never had sex in general. Uh, I, don't, I don't have, like, landmark experiences here. That's what I like about this place, all right? I come here to feel numb, and then, I, then, it, then it's over, okay? Then a day is gone, and I'm on to the next day where I can feel awful. Is that? <laughs> like, I didn't want this to turn into a therapy session. Yeah, like... well, you invited me on your podcast, all right? <laughs> Jesus, what do you expect? So what are some things, you're leaving in a month, are there any things that you want to accomplish in that time? Like, you have one month left, what else do you want to do while you're here? Ah, that's a good point. I have a good question. I don't know. I feel like, you mean comedy-wise or in general? Both. I guess just sort of, I want to hit all my favorite places around the city. Which are? Uh, just restaurants and stuff. Such as? I don't know if I can catalog them for you right now. <laughs> you know what I like a lot is the Beehive. You ever been there? I have. Cool place. I also like, uh, I'll probably go to Top of the Hub another time. I guess you had a podcast there. I did. Super touristy, but it's cool. It was fun. I don't know. Some, like, divey Mexican places I like. I'll probably go, like, sit on a hill and think about my terrible personality. <laughs> It's going to be 32 degrees for the next month. You're going to go sit on a hill? Yeah, no, I'm not going to go outside. I was joking about that. I, uh, I hate the cold. That's why I'm moving. It's a, that has some nice temperatures in the winter. Yeah, I don't know why anybody lives in this city or anywhere up here. I was thinking, I was talking about this the other day. Uh, you have to be a moron to live in Boston, <laughs> and everybody here is a moron, including me, I guess. But what's worse, people live in, like, Cleveland and Detroit. What? They don't even get the fun parts of Boston. I know. At least this is a cool city. But still, you wake up every day, and you're in a world of pain, okay? And Detroit and Cleveland, I don't know, you got laid off from your factory job like six <laughs> years ago, and now you just drink, like, moonshine out of a tin can and the freezing cold under your bridge? Like, what are you? what is that life? That's, just take a gray, 
Yeah, that is everyone in Detroit. There's not enough bridges to keep people under. That is their biggest downfall of a city is Detroit not having enough bridges to shelter just the 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 multitudes of sad, cold people. They have abandoned homes for that. Yeah, those are just bridges, Kenny's. <laughs> You're referring to bridges. Seriously, if you live in Detroit and Cleveland, why don't you just... I get why, but just take a Greyhound to, like, San Francisco and be with the rest of the other sad... At least you're, like, you can be homeless and warm. You know what I mean? Have you been to San Francisco? Yeah, tons of homeless people. Yeah. And because that's what... They were the smart ones. They were the, they were the, the homeless... They were the homeless people with a plan, all right? The smart homeless people are in L.A. where, like, you can live on Venice Beach. The temperature is constantly, like, between, like, 60 degrees and 80 degrees. Well, they didn't make it there. They tried, (laughs) all right? It's further south. They're on their way. But it's sort of like, you know, you go to Detroit, you hit San Francisco, and then the the lucky ones make it down to Venice Beach. But I think the homeless people in San Francisco are the, you know, those are, like, the, the 1%. (laughs) <laughs> of homeless people. homeless people. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's got to be super easy to be homeless in San Francisco because have you seen <laughs> housing prices there? Like, I mean, it's super is... easy to get homeless, not like just to exist uh, as a homeless I person. I thought you were being really mean. <laughs> 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 just like, fuck those Yo, you know what would be easy? Yeah. Just <laughs> being homeless in San Francisco. <laughs> no. Just Fucking like... cakewalk. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, like if you bought, if you had an apartment and you wanted to split it with like five people, even in that situation, each of those five people is paying like a thousand dollars because housing prices there are insane. Yeah, you can't get a place there. It's it's yeah. awful. That's why I feel like it's got to be. It's like New York too, though. I feel like I know people who are paying like nine hundred in New York. I don't know anyone paying less than twelve hundred in San Francisco. Really? Yeah. Well, that number just went up from a thousand to twelve hundred. You gotta your facts are changing. Stories changing, Kenny's. Mm. Cool city, but yeah, it's super expensive. I don't know how anybody does it. They work at Google and shit. Or they're just homeless. Or that. A lot of good homeless work there. You get to stand out on a, on a pier. <laughs> There's very few piers here to stand out on. I'm being very, I'm really punching <laughs> down right now, and it's not. But we have a fair amount of homeless people, and it's as cold as it is. I know. That's what I always wonder. How do people even survive? Because I know for a fact that if I were to live outside tonight, I would be dead. I would die. That would be it. <laughs> I don't know. This is dark. <laughs> this uh, is actually reflective of all of the conversations I've ever had with Adam, so not particularly dark in the way that we communicate with one another. Can I just say, though, I've done uh, a few podcasts before, and I always try to disguise this a little bit. I'm always like, oh, all right, happy, happy to be here. I'm a comedian, Adam Lingwan. Uh So it's nice to get to do one where it's like, oh, yeah, fucking let's go. <laughs> no holds barred, Adam Lingwan. Raw. <laughs> this is that's the name of this. Adam Lang Raw. <laughs> you know that's bad. You know in your heart that that's bad. That is literally the best thing I've ever said. No, nope, 100% the best thing. And I'm gonna tattoo that on myself, and that will be the name of my first jazz album. So we know that that's not true. Okay, so recently, or recently to me, you have started doing characters. What made you decide to go from jokes into doing characters? Jesus Christ, I'm not just doing character. I'm doing one character. Can you doing more than that. What am I, some kind of fucking weird cartoon character now? I don't know. No. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why I responded so hostile. <laughs> I don't know why I got, I don't know why I got hostile there. Uh, yeah, I'm doing a character. It's fun. I'm, it's uh, this guy that talks about identity theft. You know what's fun is that uh, I already have it all kind of planned out 
and it's just there's a lot of yelling. I couldn't do a character that was like subtle. There's people in the city that do that. Like who? Uh, like Mark Gallagher is fantastic. Oh, yeah. I think that guy is amazing. Uh, or even like Jamie Loftus does that kind of stuff. She's great. The fun thing about the character I do is that it's just a lot of like jumping and and like yelling. So even if like a joke doesn't hit, there's just so much like momentum and noise that it is it just like carries itself. And it's super fun. I don't know. It's the best. It's essentially the character is this guy that is talking about the dangers of identity theft, but he's like going way over the top and just uh, talking about how you'll essentially you'll end up dead because of it. So, is this a character that you're gonna take with you to Austin? Yeah, I'll probably keep doing it. I think I don't know if I have the opportunity. It's nice now because I'm established enough in the scene where people will let me do this on their real shows. I don't think I could start doing that at real shows down there because people don't know who I am. Right. But um, I'll do it. I'm gonna do it tonight at my show. It'll be fun. Yeah? I think. I don't know. Maybe. I've done it like four times. It's gone well. All right. What are the levels of established that you would say exist in the city of Boston? So, like, there's open micers, but then there are, there seem to be several levels above that. I think you've achieved some of those, but maybe not all of them. How would you classify those different levels? And maybe give some examples of some people who are at those different levels. Yeah, so this is tough. I actually was asked to do something similar to this uh, recently, and it was... Was it on another podcast? No. Okay. It was an interview for a student newspaper. This is a step up. Anyway, this is bigger time. So it's hard because obviously this is subjective, and obviously I'm going to be biased because I'm a part of the hierarchy here. Uh, but I think I think it's a lot simpler than that to me. It's sort of like there's like three levels, uh, maybe like four levels. Mm-hmm. Now let's call it three. There's like the very first one, which is just like you only do open mics. And then there's the second one, which is I think you and I fit into, which is like we do lots of book shows. We get paid somewhat regularly, maybe occasionally. Some months not so much, other months <laughs> decently. And we still do open mics and that kind of thing. And so we're that's like the middle ground where like most people you'll see at shows are on the city. And then there's this, this like this, the highest level, which is... The people like Dan Bolger and Alinga Mitra and like Al Park is in that now, uh, where they only really need to do the great shows or the ones that. <laughs> I was like, so only winners of the Boston Comedy Festival. Oh, wow, yeah, I just named those three. <laughs> no, there's a lot more. I mean, even like Steve McConey, uh, those kind of guys. Like, they'll, they'll do other shows and they'll go to open mics and stuff, but they're on a level where it's like they can show up into any show and everybody goes, oh, he's here. And then they get to. Just go up whenever they want and leave and go to other shows. Like, they're, they're on a... You know what it is? It's like the level of respect, sort of, dictates how you can uh, just show up to shows and that kind of thing. I guess that's what that is, is the three levels of respect that most people have for you. And that's sort of what you're building, really, in this career, is, like, people's knowledge of you and people's respect for you as a performer and as a writer and that kind of thing. So those are my three levels. I don't know. I'm in the middle. And you want to get to the top, but not here. Yeah, we're here, sure. Tonight I go, oh, hey, I'm the best. Then uh, <laughs> then I'm there. I'm in the top. Done. Yeah. Easy. All right. So we're restarting. Uh, apparently urination is something that needs to happen, and people don't want it to be recorded. So uh, we paused it, but now we're restarting. Adam is internet famous. He doesn't like to bring this up, but he is internet famous. No, we're, we're abandoning that other question. We're going with the fact that you're internet famous. Now tell them why you're internet famous. Well, I'm not. And anybody that's actually internet famous would be insulted by that. 
I have a Tumblr page. That's popular. <laughs> well, actually, it's a real website because I bought the URL. It cost me thirteen dollars a year. Uh, Wait, what, what service? Money you well spent. GoDaddy. No, GoDaddy. But then, like, what service are you building the website? Tumblr. Oh, really? It's literally just screenshots I post. Yeah. Oh, okay. Just free. Yeah. No, I. I am. <laughs> I can't say this here. Look, I have a number of accolades for the stupidest thing. I've ever done. I I post screenshots of Tinder conversations, which everybody does, but mine got more popular than everyone else's. Why are yours more popular? Like what are you you're not just having a conversation. What are you doing specifically? Uh it's a combination I think it's three things. I think uh there's a there's a like a established voice to it, which is this like kinda weird, desperate dark person like who's like going through existential crises on top of that I'm good at writing jokes so I know like the beats to it so I have the voice but I can also like I know when to just like joke it up or like hit the punchline with it the timing of it's good and then also I don't uh, tra- I don't make fun of the girl which everybody else does if you look at screenshot it's just, like really mean things that everybody posts and I will never do that. See, the important thing, I think, with any kind of comedy is that you're making fun of yourself. You know? If you're making fun of some fake thing or, like, a person on Tinder, that's, like, shitty. Don't do that. You have it within your power to, like, turn it on yourself. That's way more funny to be self-deprecating. So I think that's what makes it good. So I I don't know. I, I was doing that for... we. It, it all started, like, I was just making jokes to try to get my friends to laugh. Like, I would screen cap it on my phone and send it to our friend and we would all do it back and forth to each other and mine were pretty good and eventually it turned into a stand-up bit where I was just saying some of the like this was back when Tinder was in its infancy so people didn't like last year yeah well like two years ago yeah Yeah. Uh, so people didn't even really know what Tinder was so I would always just say like dating website opening lines and they were just these really bizarre things they're like really over the top weird and sometimes kind of dark, uh, but never mean. Just like strange, like st- weird shit about me, which isn't really about me, but whoever, like the pretend person, is saying this. And that stand-up bit did really well. And then somebody suggested that I just post them to a website, uh, so I started doing that. And then eventually it took off. I don't know. People have written lots of articles about it, and I've been in the Washington Post and stuff. And uh, I don't know, millions of hits. What I'll say generally, where do you want it to go? Uh, where do I want it to go? I mean, it's already taken me farther than I thought it would just because it's something I can, like, reference in my credits now because people know what it is. Uh, oh, it's called Hello, Let's Date. If you've ever heard of it, uh, then you're probably the only person. <laughs> I don't know. It's, so I've had, like, literary agents reach out to try to get me a book deal, so it would be cool if that ended up happening. So that's something I'm slowly working towards and probably alienating all these people because I'm not working fast enough. Yeah, why aren't you working fast enough? I don't know. What are you doing? I'm lazy. I, look, I don't have a good answer for this. I'm just a bad person. I'm self-sabotaging. I don't know. No, it's getting there. So maybe it'll end up being a book. Maybe it won't. But yeah, no, I don't know. It's cool that it happened. And it's weird validation. Uh, now a cool thing I see is everybody like stealing the jokes from it and tweeting them but in like you know what's fun about that it's like weird variations of it like they read it and they were like you know it would be funnier if I changed this word to this word so they're like editing my jokes kind of thing that's fun but I don't know it's a dumb thing I can't really expect that much from it because I was literally just I'm posting fucking tinder screenshots are you going to do that when you go to Austin are you going to keep doing that I guess 
Yeah, I'll keep doing it. I mean, why not? Right? It's fun to do, and it's just, it's like another outlet to make jokes and make people laugh, so I'll keep doing it. Yeah, if never, if, if nothing ever comes from it. it. Well, it already has, you know? I've already been, if you search my name now, it's like the thing that comes up, so that's fine. Whatever. I'm not internet famous, but I had a little success. That's all it is. Do you have any other ideas for tumblers or like continued uh, sequential installments of some humorous thing? Nah, if I was gonna keep going, I'd probably just take this thing in different directions. Like maybe I would start talking to like only dudes on it, because then I would feel okay about being mean. Because dudes on Tinder are the worst, just the worst people. Dudes in general are the worst people. I'll kind of agree. Yeah, and some of the things they say, I mean, like, there are websites now that are similar to mine and that they just post, like, the worst things that guys will say. Actually, there, this is a weird story. There's one called Nightmares of Tinder on uh, Instagram that has, like, millions of followers or something. And what it is is just, like, a girl who gets all these messages from guys. And, like, the guys' messages are just the worst things, just terrible, awful things no human being should ever say to another. And I saw recently that two of them were lines that I said that the like some guy saw, thought it was very funny, and then oh, wrote it himself to this girl. <laughs> so that feels good. <laughs> I don't know. It's, I don't plan on doing like more weird online characters or anything. But who knows? I don't know. Yeah, it's fun. I think the fun thing is that I'll see p- people post about it on Facebook that don't know it's me. Like promoting, yeah. Uh, our friend Caitlin was like, yeah, there's this funny thing. And I was like, you know that's just Adam, right? <laughs> she was amazed. Ryan Staples did that, too. Really? Yeah, he goes, this guy's my hero. And I thought that he knew it was me, so I commented on it like, you're my hero. And which is a weird thing to write if he doesn't know that I'm the guy. Like, I'm just, like, going out on a limb being like, now's the time to tell Ryan. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's been cool like that. But I feel like the peak of it has passed, so now it's just sort of like fading into oblivion. But what I am my moment. What are things that you would want to do to like keep that moment current? Well, if I can get the book deal thing going, that would help. Uh, otherwise, take it like I said, take it in different directions. But I don't know. It's a hard thing, especially now everybody's doing it. Like there were a few things going on when I started it. Like, a similar website, similar, uh, like, Tumblr pages. But now it's just, like, everybody is trying to have their different Tinder, like, troll site. Yeah. So now it kind of feels shitty to do. Because it's, like, this is everybody's doing this now. But, I don't know. I still have, like, a large following. So I could probably make it happen. I don't, I don't know. It feels gross because I like doing stand-up. That's what I want to be known for. I don't want to be the guy that has a Tumblr page. That's the gross thing about it. But has it allowed you to do more with stand-up? Like get book water and shows or like participate in things based on that being in your credits? I think yes, only because uh, maybe like certain comedians that didn't know me would have found out about me through that. Mm-hmm. And then that's how they got to know me. And then maybe then recommended me to other shows. Like I've so many times without even talking to the person that's about to intro me on a show, they'll say, hey, he's the creator of com." And uh, that feels gross. But at least then they, like, found me. Like, they, I don't know. They knew about that without me having to tell them that, which means that they probably are influenced by me having that, like, how they feel about me. Right. So, I don't know. I guess, maybe. Okay. It's cool that people like it. I'll say that. I don't know. Like, if they think that it's worthy of an intro, 
then they uh, they must like it. I hate when people intro me like that though, because nobody knows what that is. Like enough people do that it's a big enough thing, but like the like ninety nine percent of people don't know what Hello Estate is. So when they're like, "Oh, creator of Hello Estate," everybody in the audience must just be like, "Who the fuck cares? I don't know what that is." You just said meaningless things, but whatever. All right, so we're approaching uh, wrapping up time. So I'm going to ask you some of the questions that I ask everyone. You live in Boston now. You're about to move away. What are the things that you're going to miss the most about the city? And I think we already talked about restaurants, but like besides restaurants and bars, what things are you going to miss most about Boston? Well, I think uh, one of my favorite things about just the Northeast in general, well, really Boston, and this is coming from my experiences in the South before, people are just really... Uh, up front and in your face about stuff. They don't typically hide how they feel about stuff. Uh, if they don't like you, you know that they don't like you. I love that. That's the thing that I'm always going to love about this place. And the same, like vice versa, I don't have to pretend that I like people. And it's just very real. And you can even sort of respect a person for just being upfront about it. Whereas in like South Carolina, where I used to live, it, everything is just a big facade. And like, politeness. Yeah, but it's bullshit politeness. <laughs> yeah. It's all fake. And I'm imagining that it's probably going to be the same when I move, so I'm going to miss that a lot, uh, just the general personality trends of this place. Uh, beyond that, it's a beautiful city. I don't know. There's a lot of cool stuff. I'll miss the Charles River. I'll miss uh, this place in the summer is great. The weather here in the summer is perfect. I'll miss going up to New Hampshire. Uh, I love that place. love going into the mountains. Yikes. I don't know. What else am I going to miss? I'll, well, my friends, obviously. Should, is that like a thing? That makes sense. I'll miss Kenise Mobley. Yeah. Probably the m- number one is Kenise no. Mobley. Okay. Who, who are you number two is my mom. Uh, you edged out my mom. <laughs> How do you feel about that, Kenise? My mom is crying listening to this right now. I feel really weird about it. Yeah, apologize to my mom. I won't. Say you're sorry to my mom. I don't even this know is bullshit. Kenise, you're going to bring me to this place, and you're not going to say you're sorry to my mom. My mom is weeping openly, probably on a train, listening to this on her eye, on her Kindle Fire. Why would your mom be on a train? I don't know. Probably because she's she's going to like New Jersey to get a snow cone. She does that on every other Tuesday. Oh, okay. She takes the Amtrak. Ah. Yeah, and sometimes when she cries on the train, she gets kicked off. You want my mom to get kicked off in rural New Jersey? Yeah, in the middle of winter. Can you see her a bad person? <laughs> so. You'll live in Alston. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> so you'll live in Alston or Austin, uh, and you'll probably come back. Maybe you'll make friends there. Maybe not. But they will come to Boston at some point and be like, "Hey, dude, what should I check out? What are you gonna tell them to check out?" Oh wow. Uh, well, I mean, obviously I'm in the comedy scene. There's so many great things to see comedy-wise here. Go to the Comedy Studio in Harvard Square. Always has great shows. Go to my show, Mendoza Line, on Saturday nights. Uh, you can see bigger people at Laugh Boston on the waterfront. Beyond that, uh, just, like, I don't know, restaurants are good. What is what, do you, what would you say? There's a lot of things here that I'm not thinking of that are, like, pretty sweet. Oh, the Museum of Fine Arts is awesome. Science Museum is awesome. You know what you should do? is you should do acid and then walk along the Charles River. That's what you should do. Everyone that comes here should do that. Uh, you should also you should have sex in the Silhouette Lounge, which I've never done. And you should, uh, I don't know, probably kill yourself after because you've experienced most things. You don't want to, like, tr- drag it on, you know. Don't kill yourself. This is a PSA. Don't kill yourself. We love you. <laughs>
to the theoretical listeners that may be depressed. This is your best podcast. I can tell you're in it, like, easily. Everyone's either disgusted or they love me because they're about to kill themselves and I save them. And you're, like, the most modest person I've ever met. Well, the thing about me that you got to realize is that I'm better than everybody. So, like, how am I, am I supposed to pretend that I'm not? Can he's, be honest. Be, as a person that just made my mom cry on a train, you're going to tell me, no, okay, I'm sorry. I've had some things to drink now. We've been sitting here. I don't know. No, I'm not. Fuck you. <laughs> I, I don't know what's being edited out of this or not. We are just really going off the rails with me just talking. This is a bad idea. You can't put a microphone in front of me for like an hour and just let me go. Because you're going to be looking for that dog out in the woods for two hours. What dog in the woods? What are you talking about? I'm leaving that metaphor. That was how the question ended of what you wanted, what I would recommend to people. What's the next question? By the way, the uh, for the listeners, Silhouette Lounge is filling up right now. We are getting lots of looks. Especially with my weird ranting about nonsense. This is going very well. All right. How has Boston changed since you moved here? And what are some of those changes that you actually don't like? Oh, geez, that is a really dense question. I know. I don't know. Well, I've only lived here for five years. So I don't know if that's a large enough time to see any, like, cultural changes. Any type of change. Shoot. You know what I don't like? They got rid of Sunshine, no, Sunrise Bagels. You ever go there? No. Best breakfast place ever. It was in Alston, right down the street from here. Now it's a pavement coffee. You know what I don't like? Pavement coffee house. That place can burn in hell. They ruin everything in this city. <laughs> Look, a lot of people have a lot of, like, big-time civil movements that they're trying to support. I just think pavement coffee house needs to go bankrupt. And I think if somebody were, you know, if, if the guy that owns pavement coffee house, if it came out that he was into, like, I don't know, something super illegal like terrible like like child porn or and he went to jail I would I would be I'd be happy I would celebrate that I think that should be a Boston holiday I think they should make that a Boston holiday right now uh, if that like theoretically if that were to happen should I stop, stop talking about pavement coffee house alright what else well the Boston Marathon bombings happened that sucked that was a big thing actually yeah that's probably the biggest thing Boston got all uh, crazy patriotic which is good, I guess. That's a scary thing, though, because when was, you know, were you, you were here for that, right? Were you, like, on the marathon? I was working from home in Somerville, and people were like, oh, something happened. And I was like, let me check the internet because I don't have a TV. And then I was like, well, I'm just going to, and, like, my work is in L.A. Like, my company was in L.A., so they're like, you still have to work. You know that, right? <laughs> so I just worked, continued working. I was, like, a half mile from it uh, at a bar. And we just, there were, like, TVs at the bar that, like, was, like, breaking news. And they showed, like, where, like, close to where we were. And just, like, smoke and everything. And uh, I was actually with uh, not my last girlfriend, but the one before that. Like, the first time we ever hung out. Like, as, like, an item sort of thing. So it's got a weird, it's a weird moment in my mind because it was, like like, a very great day in terms of that and also the worst day ever <laughs> yeah. uh, but I don't know in terms of the city changing that definitely I don't know it, it's, it's hard to articulate really how it changed everything because I think everybody just got 
way more like pro Boston, which is kind of bad because it was already like the most pro Boston. You know, like nobody is as proud of their city as people that live here for no reason. Nobody gets like uppity about the the imaginary lines you were born in, uh, like people in the city do. But with that said, uh, Boston's a great city. So good for them, I guess. I don't know. I said nothing in the last in the last four minutes. I literally just said words that amount to like cotton candy. Okay, good. I'm a great podcast person. So we're gonna wrap it up. What are your last thoughts? Things you want people to know about you? Things you want people to know about the city of Boston? Uh, I think it's important to realize that this has not been Adam Lewa. Uh Everything you've heard has been somebody else because it's bad. You, Adam Lewa would say much better things than all the things that I just said. What I don't know about the city of Boston. It's awesome. This is my home. I will always. I think I'm probably gonna end up back here. It's great. Why do you think you're gonna end up back here? Because it's you know this. You always kind of gravitate towards where you know and where you love. And look, it's a beautiful city. It's got a lot going for it. It's a lot of gets me all welled up. You're all welled up. Yeah, I'm all, I'm emotional thinking about Boston. It's a great city. It's got good people. You know what is the big thing about this city? It's got a. It's just got like real hardworking, like down at like you can find that like in all the big cold cities. But this like this is way cooler, and the art scene here is super cool. That's what this is. I'm changing my whole stance on this right now. The cool thing about Boston is that you've got an awesome mix of very real people, very hardworking people, like down-to-earth, real, in-your-face, proud people, and also an art scene that is just fantastic. It's a... I mean, from comedy to to music to everything else, there's just a lot of stuff going for it, which is a weird juxtaposition of cultures there. I mean, if you've got your sort of, like, in-your-face, blue-collar thing, and then you've got your sort of hipstery... Uh, like we're gonna do what we want art scene. I don't know. That's a cool thing. Like you can go to other cities. Like Austin uh, has like that art side of that, but I don't think they have this. Like there's something to be said about living in terrible weather and what that does for your personality. And I think I don't know. The city gives you a mix of that that you probably won't find elsewhere. And I probably just said the greatest answer uh, to why I love Boston that anybody's ever given. So. Okay, guys, so that was Adam Langlois with the best answer ever given. Uh, And this has been Person About Town. Thanks so much for listening. Bye, guys. Bye.